Thanks for joining us online for today's message from our Sunday morning service, where we are learning how to make disciples who love God, love others, and serve the world. We pray that you are encouraged and challenged. For more information about Wilmot Center Missionary Church, go to wcmc.ca. Now prepare your hearts for what God wants to speak to you today. You know, have you ever been in a circle of people who are talking about things they're using, short forms and acronyms and so on, and you have no idea what they're talking about? Anybody? Sitting with medical doctors or nurses, and they're talking back and forth, and you have no idea. Have you ever sat in the dentist's chair and your mouth wide open and they're trying to get some communication out of you? <laughs> right? And then the... the uh, the hygienist who's been cleaning your teeth or whatever, then the, the dentist comes in, the doctor, and he or she's sitting there, and they're talking about your teeth, but they don't really call them that. C3 and a 2, upper 995. <laughs> and I'm laying there thinking, I don't got idea what they're talking about. Because I have no idea what they're talking about, but they know what they're talking about. And the problem is we can be in circles and we're listening to people talk and they're using that stuff and we're sitting there and we're going, oh yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We go out there and go, I have no clue what they're just talking about. You can run into that with the medical field. Uh, every, every area has acronyms. Do you agree? Short forms, so on, that use. You know what? We do it in Christian circles as well. We do it in Christian circles as well. So people who are not Christians hear us talking like that and they must feel like they're sitting in the foreign land. Because we can say things like a common term I've heard is, well, he's been washed in the blood. Now, if you're not a believer, doesn't that sound absolutely gross? Right? Washed in the blood. For us, we understand it was the work of the cross. Jesus shed his blood. You become a believer. It means you were cleansed by what Jesus did on the cross. We understand that, but you're on the side of that. You think that sounds totally gross. Things like, um, uh, I've been born again. Really? And even Nicodemus, when that conversation happened with Jesus, he said, what did you do? Crawl back into your mother's womb? Like, that's impossible. And so, again, it doesn't make sense. Uh, There's a great anointing of God today, and people go, what are you talking about? And so, on and on and on, we have to be so careful in our language that we can assume that people understand what we're talking about. Do you agree? And so, that happens in every circle, and it happens in Christian circles as well. And we can get all excited about talking about these things, but the danger is that we, communi- uh, we communicate absolutely nothing because people don't understand what we're talking about. As a matter of fact, we're living in a generation, a whole generation that does not understand Jesus. Did you see how many children came to Christ? How many? 67. 67. The Bible says if one person receives Jesus. It says all of heaven has a party. How many of you like a party? All right. I noticed uh, Marlene with all the pictures of Don that were up here yesterday. Boy, he liked cake. Like I just saw so many pictures with cake. I thought, he never invited me for cake. You know, all those times he's eating cake. Like enjoying life, enjoying a party. So if 67 children said yes to Jesus, how many parties is that? Oh, you're so dull. How many parties is that? All right. Now, 67 children following Jesus. Do you think they can change the world? 
but only if they understand what they've just committed to and what it's all about. And that's our responsibility. And we have to be careful in these occasions when we're so excited, which we should be, and I'm including at the pulpit, I have to be careful in what I say in regards to people understanding. And I thought, you know, that has happened uh, as we've been doing this series on the Holy Spirit. There are so many misconceptions about the Holy Spirit. And sometimes we start teaching from the pulpit like there's an understanding, everybody understands who or what or it, as often is said, about the Holy Spirit. And as I was praying about this series, you know, I thought I could jump in with the gifts and talk about those kind of things. I mean, James talked about what? Healings. Pastor Wayne spoke about? Thank you. See, there's one thing about a preacher. You've got to remember what you preach because nobody else will sometimes. So, uh, you know, you really felt like you hit it out of the park and you realized you struck out. So, um, I want to talk about seven aspects of the Holy Spirit so that we understand together, you know, common ground, playing field the same about the challenges around the Holy Spirit in our lives. Um, you know, I don't want us to just sit here and nod and say we understand. A story of someone being healed with... You, now, some of you sitting here go, that is the bizarrest thing I've ever heard, that you could pray for a leg and it would, you know, grow and, and be a reality in someone's life, correct? And there's no denying what took place. I used to be five foot and they prayed for my legs. Not true. Um, but I have prayed for people. I have done that. And I've been amazed to actually feel in my hands, it's like, just, will this really happen? It's like at the Peter and, and John at the gate, beautiful silver and gold I have not, but in Jesus' name, get up and walk. And so when praying for this, these legs, you know, the, the feet, the one was about a half inch shorter, and I, and I watched it and I felt it grow in my hand and then go back where it was until it lined up evenly, and I went, oh my goodness. You see, for some of us sitting here, you go, that is weird. Do you agree? But that, you know what? That's, it, it may sound weird, but it's actually how intimate our Father is with us. That's how much He loves us. He cares if your one leg is longer or shorter than the other. That's how much He cares about us. That's the kind of Father we have. But He wants us to understand together the working of the Holy Spirit, and understand some things about Him. And so somewhere in the middle we might find ourselves. You might say, I'm really all about the Holy Spirit. I really believe in everything's the Holy Spirit. You might be over here and say, well, I'm not too sure. You know, I was raised in a setting where that wasn't so. And then maybe you might be somewhere in the middle trying to figure out the working of the Holy Spirit. So there's seven things I want us to think about. First off, who is the Holy Spirit? Who is the Holy Spirit? Is the Holy Spirit an it? Some people say it. Is the Holy Spirit out there somewhere, you know, like in the cosmos? Like a ghost? Holy Spirit, ghost? You hear those things? Some people say the Holy Spirit. Is He really a person? Is that a person? Or is it a power, a wind, maybe a dove? 
And I've heard all of those things used. Maybe you have too in regards to the Holy Spirit. But what does the Word of God have to say to us about who the Holy Spirit is? Because it is the Word of God is our compass. And I so appreciated Murray, not, not a- Andrew. <laughs> Andrew Murray. Oh, sorry. Murray, you preached a great word yesterday. Very powerful. Right from the Word of God. And... Uh, and the Lord really spoke through you to all of us there. And so we appreciated it very much. And it was a lot of truth because it was God's Word. So first off, we need to know that the Holy Spirit represents, here's another hard concept, the Trinity. The Trinity. I've sat and talked to Muslims and tried to explain to them the Trinity, and, and there's no understanding that I've run into from time to time. Others have said, okay, you know, but they don't agree with it. If you're a true Muslim, you would not agree with that. For the Lord God is one, and, Muslim, and Muhammad is his prophet. And so there's this, they say, you believe in three gods. No, we do not believe in three gods. But there is God the Father, God the, and the Holy Spirit. And so this concept of the Trinity is tough for us to wrap our heads around. And yet, here's just... Here's, here's three examples. I'm just, I'll give you two. I don't have time. Matthew 28, 18, it says this. Jesus said this, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So Jesus himself is saying in regards to the Holy Spirit as part of the Trinity that when you baptize people, you do not do it just in the name of Jesus. And some people say you only baptize in the name of Jesus. No, Scripture says we baptize people in the water in the name of the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is clearly a part of the Trinity and the importance of this. John 16, 13. Let's bring that up, please. Uh, it says this. Let's say it together. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears is, will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. Now, do you notice a pronoun in there? What is it? He. So who is he? The Holy Spirit. So Jesus is clearly saying to you and to, I, that, 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 to me that the Holy Spirit is a person. So we have to understand right off the bat, the Holy Spirit is a person. For some of you say, this is old news, I know all this. For other views, you go, hmm, okay. And that's what we have to understand. We need to come together that clearly Jesus uses a pronoun he so that we would understand reading scripture and many other places, the Holy Spirit is referred to as part of the Trinity and he. So that's who the Holy Spirit is. Secondly, how does the Holy Spirit work with the Father and Son? So if this is the Trinity, how do all three of them work together? My brothers and I have three brothers, so there's four of us, not like the Mullies, 3,000 and some. Um, how many siblings do you have? 3,500 siblings. That is a big group to get together in the same direction. Do you agree? I mean, we can't even sometimes get 10 people, two people in the same direction. Husband and wives, do you always agree? You're just smiling. Nobody's saying anything. <laughs> Obviously, we don't always agree, correct? 
And so somehow there's this, this unity picture of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. They work in unison all the time. They are not hitting heads like this. And so there's this beautiful picture of the Holy Spirit working in relationship alongside God the Father and Jesus, God's Son, to work in our lives, to come to that place of forgiveness of our sins and ask Jesus Christ to be our personal Lord and Savior, the working of the Holy Spirit to draw us into the presence of the Father through Jesus Christ. And He teaches us what Jesus said in John 14, 26. He testifies about Christ all the time to us, confirming who Jesus is and what He said and what is about to happen and what happened. It's all historical and yet future with the Holy Spirit. He helps us to recognize the role of the Trinity in our lives. Second Corinthians, it tells us this in 13, 14. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And so the Holy Spirit is at work. First Peter 1, 2. We can clearly see that the Holy Spirit is at work where? Who's He working with? God the Father, Jesus Christ, and with us. There isn't a single person here who knows Jesus without the Holy Spirit. Because the working of the Holy Spirit draws us into the very presence of God. And without the Holy Spirit, we wouldn't be able to be drawn into the very presence of God. So the Holy Spirit is very active. Thirdly, why does God give us the Holy Spirit? Why, why do I need the Holy Spirit in the first place? What's that all about? So for anybody who said yes, the moment you say yes to Jesus, does your life change, yes or no? And the fruit of that is the working of the Holy Spirit. Because you cannot change yourself. You can, we can go through diet plans, we can stop smoking or stop drinking, and we can do all these things on the outside. But it's the inside that God's after because God said in His Word, He says, man looks at the outside, but God looks at the heart. God is concerned about what's happening inside you and me, what we're thinking, how we react. It's the working of the Holy Spirit in our lives that changes things. We either belong to this world. In other words, we belong to the things of this world. The devil controls the world. There's evil in the world. People say, why do horrible things happen? Why, if God is so loving, why do bad things happen? Well, it's called sin. It's called a broken world. It's called a fallen world. And so I was part of that world until I met Jesus. I was living a life for the devil, and so are you if you don't know Jesus. There's no middle ground here. It's, 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 it's black and white. It's not gray. And the Holy Spirit speaks to us about this. And so we need the Holy Spirit to understand the kingdom of God. So when I said yes to Jesus Christ, I belong to Him now. So I used to be 100% to the world, and if I say yes to Jesus, should I be 100% to Jesus, 90%, 80%, 70%, 50% of my life, what should I be? 100%. So if I can be 100% in the things of the world for the devil, I can be 100% in the things for God. But I cannot do it myself, neither can you. We need the Holy Spirit to bring us to that place. If you say, I'm going to live for Jesus and go all out, if you don't know Jesus, first off, you're not going to be able to do it. Secondly, if you try to do it in your own strength, you're going to fail. 
If you read the Old Testament, it's full of religion. It's full of the people and the laws trying to do everything to follow God, and they failed. I've lived a religious life by going to church and going through the the ceremonies and going through all the stuff, but I didn't know Jesus. And so I was religious, but I lived in the world. The moment I said yes to Jesus, he said, get rid of religion. Welcome to relationship. There's a huge difference. And so the Holy Spirit is at work in us because we need the very presence of God as a mark upon our lives so that when the devil looks at you, he does not see you. He sees the mark of Christ on you. In other words, you belong to Jesus. How many of you look like somebody else in your family? Any of you? How many of you look like a parent? Why is that? How did that happen? How did that happen? It's called genes, DNA, correct? Right? You take my brothers and I, and, and, and everybody goes, oh, you're a Gulliver. As a matter of fact, I was visiting a church trying to be invisible. You know, I always want to sit at the back. April always wants to sit, like you, the Guybersons, at the front. And I say to April, no, let's sit at the back. Because I'm tall, honey, and nobody can see the words. And she says, they're up there. Well, yeah, but if I raise my hands. She says, we'll sit at the front. So I was sitting right at the back, and afterwards this gentleman came to me, and he right away said, you're a Gulliver, aren't you? I said, how did you know? He goes, I just looked at you, and I knew. You see, there's a mark on us that way genetically, DNA, but there's a deeper mark because of the Holy Spirit. And that's the very mark of Christ in our lives. Ephesians 1, 13, 14 is so clear in this, and you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, in other words, listening to the word, the gospel of your salvation, that's the good news, having believed you were marked in Him, say marked, marked in Him. Now see, I have a mark. Can you see that? Can you see that? All right? That's a birthmark. It proves I was born, (laughs) not hatched, not created in some weird way. No, this is a birthmark. And I remember talking to little Naomi, and Naomi one day was looking at it. She goes, oh, Papa, what'd you do? And I said, honey, it's a birthmark. Now, when I was a teenager, I would say to some young lady, I'd say, oh, I burnt myself. Oh, you poor thing. (laughs) And my parents would slap me. But, but, you know... uh, I showed this to Naomi, and she said, oh, Papa, I got one too. And she pointed to this little mark on her forehead, and then she said, let's go play. In other words, it's no big deal. It's no big deal. You see, we look at all the bumps, the bruises, the marks, and we think somehow that God won't love us because of those things in our lives, but God loves us because of the Holy Spirit. And when you say yes to Jesus, he says, I go through all those other things in your life, all the tragedy, all the pain, so and I put my mark on you as a seal. You're mine. You belong to me. And I want to tell you, if you've received Christ as your Savior and you're trying to run from Jesus, his mark is still on you. He is still calling you by name. He is still calling you, and he says, I love you, I love you, I love you. I've given you my spirit. I put my mark on you as a deposit guaranteeing an inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Fourthly, who does the Holy Spirit help? 
Who does the Holy Spirit help? Bottom line, the Holy Spirit strengthens and empowers every single follower of Jesus Christ all over the world. Always has, always will until Jesus comes. He's there, He's dwelling, He's living in the very presence of God through Christ in that individual to help us be active. 1 John 4, 4 says, greater is He that is in... That's right. That is the work of the Holy Spirit. That's that mark. Then he, who's he in the world? Who's he? The devil. Then he in the world. So greater is Jesus in me than the devil in this world. In other words, you have authority because of the Holy Spirit working your life over the things of the devil. You take authority over those. Anybody here ever have nightmares? You have nightmares? All right. Let's pray against nightmares. Nightmares are not of God. He says that he will deal with the pestilence and the terror that stalks by night. I used to have nightmares. I don't anymore. I have some dreams that I shouldn't have eaten something that no doubt created that, but they're not nightmares. They don't, I don't wake up in a cold sweat full of fear because he has not given me a spirit of fear. And so the enemy wants to use that against you and me. And I want to tell you, you can stand against those things. And I'm sure many of you here, if you struggle with those, you're praying against those. And sometimes there's a root in there we've got to deal with, something else that the Holy Spirit wants to reveal. And so we're, but we have authority over the enemy. How do you think a leg grows? How do you explain that medically? Yeah, yeah, that's right. You say the doctor... Well, you know, um, or the, the chiropractor, I don't need you anymore. What? You're helping to pay for my Mercedes. What are you talking about? You don't, you know. No, I, you know, I went and, and my dad prayed for me and, and look at this. They're the same. God healed me. Well, I remember going to the doctor and telling him that God had healed me of colitis of my bowels. I was on these horse pills every day and the doctor said, I'll be on it forever. But I want to tell you, when they laid hands on me and prayed for me, in the name of Jesus, be healed. And I was healed. And I told the doctor that, and he just said, Pfft. He says, all right, we're going to do tests and prove it. And I said, okay, let's do tests and prove it. And he said, what would you do with your pills? And well, in those days, I didn't know you weren't supposed to put them down the toilet. But, um, <laughs> so some people were drinking weird water. Um, I, I never thought of it. Uh, to be honest. But, but anyway, at that time, and, and so they did all the tests, and he came back, and he said, I can't explain it. I said, yes, you can. It's Jesus. He said, no, no, no. Things like this do happen. I said, really? I said, I've been reading and reading on this, and it sounds like I was going to be like death's door. And so I'm not, you know, if somebody's struggling with that, I, I, I get your pain. And that's what God did for me. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit to help us through our daily lives, no matter what we're facing. There's no way when I watched the family yesterday, I was thinking of the Brenneman family and just watching the pictures and thinking about the times they've had and the memories and so on. And, and I thought, you know, if it wasn't the work of the Holy Spirit to help you, He is the comforter. He comforts us in our times of sorrow. He carries us through. He helps us along the journey of life. And I feel for people when I go to funerals and there's people there and they don't know Jesus or the message has nothing to do with God. I'm like, oh, Lord Jesus, they're not going to be comforted. They don't understand who does the Holy Spirit help. He wants to help all of us. 
For John baptized with water, Jesus said, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. The Holy Spirit helps us in the power to do what he's called us to do. Every one of us here who knows Christ has a mandate from Jesus to be sharing the gospel. I have never found Christianity boring. I always thought becoming a Christian was lame, a crutch. I didn't even believe in it. But most of all, I thought it would be boring. Like, what do Christians do? Play bingo? You know, eat? Well, we do that for sure. No, I'm just, I, I couldn't wrap my head around what do Christians do? Like, I like to go party and play in a band and do all that stuff, but Christians, like, just go to church. Well, I want to tell you, my life became alive when I said yes to Jesus. The moment you say yes to Jesus, that's when your life really begins. And the Holy Spirit comes in us and fills us and helps us and empowers us to be His witnesses, not only to Jerusalem, but to our neighbors and people around us. Fifthly, how does He work in our lives? How does this, how does this happen? How does the Holy Spirit start to draw us into the presence of Christ? Well, the time of our salvation and conversion is when the Holy Spirit begins to work. It's this power of this daily life that He calls us to. John 14, 15 says this in the New Living Translation. says, if you love me, Jesus said this, if you love me, say this, if you love me. So the big question Jesus is asking starts with an I and an F, which is what? If. If, if you love me, it's a question. Obey my commands. I will ask the Father, and He will give you another counselor, the Holy Spirit, who will never, ever leave you. The Holy Spirit never, ever will leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads you into all truth. The world at large cannot receive Him because it isn't looking for Him, doesn't recognize Him. But you do because He lives with you. But listen to what He says here, because this is before Pentecost, and later will be where? In you. Greater is He that's in us than he that's in the world. The Holy Spirit. Can we sin against the Holy Spirit, number six? Yes, we can. Yes, we can. Acts chapter 5, 1 to 11. It's a story of Ananias and Sapphira. These these people sold some property, and in those days, the church was growing like crazy, and anytime people had some money, they laid it at the feet of the disciples, and then the disciples would, would divvy it up to the needs of the people. But Ananias and Sapphira decided when they sold their property, they would keep some of the monies back. And in this story, it does not go well for either one of them. As a matter of fact, they get talking to Peter, and Peter says to them, why have you lied to the Holy Spirit? Why did you keep some of the money back when you said that you didn't? And both of them died. And fear gripped the church. Understandably. That's like one of us here saying, I tithe, but you don't. And you stand up and say, I tithe, and you fall over dead. How would we react to that? That's how serious this is. And you and I can just read the story and go, wow. But I want to tell you, there's 
There's six things here we can see from this story. Lying to the Holy Spirit. Like Ananias and Sapphira, we can lie. We can lie. We can grieve the Holy Spirit. We can grieve the Holy Spirit. Only believers can do this. We do things that we know go against this new nature inside of us. It's like Paul said, I, I do what I, I do not want to do, but I do it anyway. I don't want to do it. And so there's this tensions within me. This battle within me is going on. And I can grieve the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit says to do something and I don't do it, I grieve the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit speaks to you and says, come, to this, come up here to the front and receive prayer today, and you don't come, you're grieving the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit's speaking to you to go to, to, to Kenya, to give to the Mully, the Lord says, do this, and I don't, I grieve the Holy Spirit. They grieved the Holy Spirit in that story. We can quench the Holy Spirit. We must not ignore the promptings and extinguish the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We must be active in the things of the Holy Spirit. Ananias and Sapphira were, but they also learned how to lie and grieve and quench. We can resist the Holy Spirit. These people knew the Holy Spirit, trying to draw them closer to the way Christ wants them to be. But pride creeps in, our own experience, and we reject the saving grace of Christ. We resist the Holy Spirit. Often we have something we call a conscience, right? Your conscience speaks to you. The old cartoon was an angel on this shoulder and what on this shoulder? The devil. And so the devil was telling you to do this and the angel was telling you to do this and you're trying to decide which way to go. Which one do I listen to? We call it a conscience. Often the Holy Spirit will speak to you if you know Him or not. God is trying to get your attention, and we say it's our conscience. It's our conscience. But we must not resist when the Holy Spirit is speaking to us, especially about the grace of God. Fifthly, we can insult the Holy Spirit. We do this by dismissing the price that Christ paid on the cross for us, Refusing to accept the tremendous gift of salvation that God has freely offered, we can insult the Holy Spirit. And finally, we can actually blaspheme the Holy Spirit. Blaspheme. Resisting, insulting the Holy Spirit is termed the unforgivable sin. The unforgivable sin. This is the only place in Scripture you will find where it talks about the unforgivable sin is when we resist and insult, insult the Holy Spirit. If I receive Christ, then I have the working of the Holy Spirit. So do you. And the Holy Spirit wants us to walk this out, that we do not sin against who He is in our lives and who Christ is in our lives and what He's called us to do. Finally, number seven, why do we need the Holy Spirit at the end of the day? What's it all about? Why do we need the Holy Spirit? If I'm going to live a life that says, I follow Jesus, no looking back, then I need the fullness of the Holy Spirit to do it. I cannot do anything without the Holy Spirit. That will last. The working of the Holy Spirit changes everything. Changes absolutely everything in our lives. If I'm going to walk this out and be devoted to Him, if I, you know what? I find, I find sometimes being a Christian really hard. Anybody else? I find it hard sometimes to be a Christian. I don't find it boring, but boy, I find it hard. Do you find it hard? 
Do you know why you find it hard? Because God asks us to do things we don't want to do. If I could only live like the people in the world, if I could just go and drink and party or whatever, and God says, yeah, but I want you to live this way now. You used to live this way, Rob. Now I want you to live this way. But it's hard. He says, well, I never said it would be easy. It is hard. There's suffering and sacrifice. There's commitment. There's, there's release. There's a change of a lifestyle. The people that know you now, and if you become a believer, if you run into those same people, that same group 10 years from now, they should immediately notice a difference in you besides maybe less hair or a little more weight or those kind of physical things. There's something different about you. And because we know Christ, there's the difference. And it's the revealing of the Holy Spirit in us that helps us. Galatians 5, 16 to 26 is all about the fruit of the Spirit. And the fruit is a choice, but we are to have the demonstration of the fruit and the character of my life. And so the Holy Spirit helps us each day to conquer our sinful nature. My goodness, some days when I wake up, I'm thinking about stuff, and I go, that is a wrong thought. Lord, I pray against that thought in Jesus' name. I, I take every thought captive onto Christ. You have, to, you have to process things this way, folks. If you deal with anger, if you're an angry person, then we've got to get to the root of your anger because the Holy Spirit doesn't want you to walk in anger. He doesn't want us to walk in judgment and bitterness. He wants us to be free. He wants us to experience the fullness of the Holy Spirit to conquer our sinful nature. The Holy Spirit matters in our lives. It makes, us, it makes life easier to follow God's commands and guidelines. You read sometimes, I read through the Old Testament, and I'm thinking, man, I would have failed right away. Memorizing all these laws and rules and regulations. How in the world are we supposed to follow those? It's like, how many of us here, when we drive a car, don't put your hand up, you might speed. You see, there's signs out there that say how fast we're supposed to go. Those are just suggestions. <laughs> you know, you can tell the officer that. Oh, I thought that was a suggestion. No, not at all. They're, they're there for a reason. And so even in our own land, we struggle to follow the law. Just imagine the Old Testament. But when Jesus came, he said that the sin of the law reveals the things of the Spirit. Because because the law brought death, but the Spirit brings life. And so we have this freedom in Christ. And the working of the Holy Spirit in all of our lives is so that we can follow what the Holy Spirit, what the Word of God teaches us to follow in our lives. The Holy Spirit will produce godly qualities and character in our lives, a transformation of our character. We're not the same person. And finally, the Holy Spirit encourages us to seek God's approval above man's. Man says, you should do this, but God says, you should do this. If I didn't listen to God, I wouldn't be here right now. I would still be a teacher. I'd be a retired teacher, actually. But the Holy Spirit spoke to me, and he said, Rob, this is what you're to do now. Just like the story of Charles Mulley. We all have stories, folks. What is the Holy Spirit telling you to do? What is he actively working in your life to do? Because if you know Christ, do you have the Holy Spirit? Does he dwell in you? Is he calling you to do something? Does he call every believer? Because Jesus said, therefore, go and make disciples. 
Because if I'm going to love God, if I'm going to love others, if I'm going to serve the world, oh, Lord, do I ever need the working of the Holy Spirit? Do I ever need the working of the Holy Spirit in my life? If those gifts are going to be evident, if the fruit's going to be evident, it's because of the Holy Spirit. It's never because of me. It's never because of you. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. And he takes those good qualities that you have, and he makes them better. And he takes the qualities that are not so good, and he wants to deal with them so that the good ones will rise up. Let's stand together, please. Hmm. Let's just close our eyes for a moment. Hmm. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for Jesus Christ. That as a man, he walked on this earth. And he experienced everything we experience. He's tempted in every way we're tempted. But the Bible says that he did not sin. (laughs) He did not give over to temptations. You know the struggle we have that we do give over. And sometimes, Lord, we lose that battle. But in your name, there's forgiveness. And in your name, there's freedom. And we can walk a new life because of the working of the Holy Spirit in our lives that activates the very presence of God. Why would the Scripture say, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world? Why would it say that unless it was true? He will guide you into all truth. He will put power in you because he is power. Because of him in you, you will be my witnesses. You will lay your hands on the sick. You will deal with the demonic things. You will preach the gospel in my name, in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so, Father, today I want to thank you that each of us here who knows Jesus already, if you know Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit. And the question that I always ask myself, and I want to ask you the same that I've asked before, how much of you does the Holy Spirit have? Have I surrendered totally everything? I I sang that song again today as I was drumming there in my, my heart, and I thought, Lord, oh, more of you and less of me. I can't do that on my own. I don't even know how to do that. But in prayer, I ask it, and in prayer, I want to live it. And if that's your prayer today, then we invite the Holy Spirit to reveal in our lives what He wants to do. I'm wondering how many of us here, He's saying right now, I want you to give give your heart to me. I want you to surrender your life to me. In other words, what He's saying is, you know, you've walked this out in your own strength for so long. If you keep on the same path, it's going to end badly. But if you're willing to take a new path, if you're willing to step over and trust me and let me love you and let me lead you, your life will be different. If you're here today and you want to say yes to that, then we want to pray with you. We're not asking you to join this church. We're not asking you to sign anything. 
but we are asking you to be willing to have prayer, just as I had prayer, to know Jesus. Maybe you're here today as the worship team begins to play and you're just thinking about this stuff. And you say, I, you know, I, I know Jesus, but I really haven't given over to the Holy Spirit. I really haven't said yes to every area of my life to the Holy Spirit. That I could be obedient to the things that I read in the Word and what I sense God saying to me. Let the adventure begin today. Or if you just had a point in your life, you say, I'm weary. I'm just weary and tired. And I could use a fresh, like a cold glass of lemonade on a hot day. I could use a fresh touch of God's hand in my life, the Holy Spirit. If any of those things are you, I want you to come forward so we can pray for you. There will be people who will come. I'm just going to ask the ministry team to come at this time. They'll be wearing name tags so you know who they are. If you need a Bible, we'll give you a Bible. If you need some kind of booklet to help you, we'll give it to you. But know this today. Our heart's desire comes from God just to love on you as he does and that's the work of his spirit because God is love so as we sing through the first part of this song if you would like prayer you're not alone and know this that if you were the only person on this earth Jesus would have come and died just for you why would he do that? Because he loves you, that's why. Thanks for listening online with us. We trust you were encouraged and challenged by today's message. If you have a prayer request or an encouraging story about what God has been doing in your life, please email us at amen at wcmc.ca. God bless.